What's up, nerds? Welcome to Capes and Critiques, where we give our two cents on comic book characters and pop culture. This week's episode is pretty self-explanatory. My new host and I will be counting down our favorite parts of fandom in 2019 and letting you all know what we're looking forward to in 2020. Hello, everyone. Happy 2020. Yes, it is indeed 2020. Um, well, into 2020 already. <laughs> oh my gosh, I guess you're right. Oh my gosh, but you must be wondering, who the fuck is this other person talking? Like, Chelsea, what, what happened? Where's Melissa? Well, Melissa had some technical difficulties. So while she's recuperating, let's say, from said technical difficulties... <laughs> I will have an interim host, or rather, I feel like I'll switch around hosts now and then. Melissa will definitely pop in from time to time. Um, but today, we have... Introduce yourself, kid. My name is Barbara, but nobody will ever call me Barbara. Everyone will call me Barbie. That is correct. She told me in high school, uh, my name is Barbara. And I was like, okay, Barbie. And she's like, I hate being called Barbie. And I was like, okay, Barbie. And I never really stopped calling her Barbie. And now all our friends call her Barbie. And my co-workers, much to my disdain, <laughs> also call her Barbie. So yeah. feel free to call her by whatever you'd like. Except for Barb. I swear if you call me Barb, I will kill you. Okay, except Barb. But Barb, not Barb because it's ugly. No offense to all the Barbs in the world, but like, love yourself, you know? So... I thought it would be a really good way to get to know our new mini host over here, Barbie, by talking about our favorite things about 2019 as we now start 2020 and a plethora of media is about to rush in and smack us in the face. So, um, yeah. yeah, if you'd like to start over there. Okay. Um, this will be of no surprise to anyone who actually really, really knows me. Which our viewers do not, so please so, elaborate. I'm, t- I'm, like, I'm telling like you, aka the other person I'm talking to. Okay. This is also in no particular order. This is just like off the top of my head. These are the things I wanted to talk about. Um, I guess, so I guess number one is Kingdom Hearts three. Ah yes, a very polarizing topic still in the gaming community, and I say this as someone who knows little to nothing about said gaming community. <laughs> I just know that a lot of people hated it, and a lot of people liked it, and they're still fighting about it, like, nine months later. No, a whole year later. A whole last year later. It came out, I have the date here, January 29th. Oh my gosh, look at her all prepared. I know. More prepared than me. Continue. I, I know. It came out January 29th, 2019, on PS4, and for some really weird reason, Xbox One. <laughs> Even though it's been solely a Sony exclusive game, but whatever. And it came out on PC like months later, right? No, it never came out on PC. Oh, no, it never? Okay, no, never mind. Never. See, not part of the gaming community. I it's don't know like... why I tried to put my two cents in that. Continue. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to talk. For the other items on my list, I'm going to give like a brief synopsis. There's no point in giving a brief synopsis for Kingdom Hearts. There really isn't. They, there's no brief synopsis of Kingdom Hearts. D- there's a boy. He has a giant key that kind of fights things and things happen. He's trying to find his boyfriend and his girlfriend. <laughs> he is not trying to find his boyfriend or girlfriend. I mean, fanon-wise, hell yeah. But canon-wise, they're his best, best friends. friends. 
remember friendship. Oh, wow. <laughs> and there's like too many copies of him or data versions of him. We don't fully understand what is going on. Actually, I do kind of understand, but that's another topic for a completely different Yeah, day. well, maybe do a podcast of just Kingdom Hearts 3. You know, after this DLC, maybe we'll give us more info, which is dropping... January 23rd, oh, so see. nobody will see or hear from me, except for my co-workers, because I'm legally obligated to show them at my job. <laughs> but yeah, so, I don't know, if you want us, we've never done video games, and Barbie's a big video game buff, so if you want to see video game contact, contact, content, <laughs> hit us up in the comments, or whatever, or yeah. our, the Twitter, uh, our Twitter page, or the Gmail or the Gmail. You know the drill, guys. I'll say it at the end of the, because, like, I honestly forgot the exact tags because I know we had to play with the names because, you know, because Capes and Critiques and I know the, the Gmail is Capes and Critiques. Capes and Critiques, but I think that uh, the, the Twitter is Caped Critiques. C-A-P-E-D. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, hit us up there and be like, yeah, Chelsea, I totally, for sure, 100% want to hear you guys talk about video games instead of comics all the time. So, you know, <laughs> Maybe all of Nerdum. Who knows? Who knows what 2020 has to offer? All right. Okay. Um, so that will be it for Kingdom Hearts 3 because, like I said, it's not something you could briefly synopsize. Okay. So just one question. What's up? And if you can make it, you know, succinct. Okay. So I know that a lot of people hated this game, but obviously mm -hmm. you love this game. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it still feels like a Kingdom Hearts game, but bigger. Whereas, like, sometimes in the other Kingdom Hearts games, it's going to be like, look at all these people raving and being upset about something or another and then you see nobody there's no npcs aka not playable characters where in this game they added so many and it just feels like it's a bigger game like they put all their effort into it and this is like this is our end this is the end of the xehanort saga of kingdom hearts not the end of kingdom hearts i just want to elaborate on that because everybody misunderstood that and that's why a lot of people were mad. Cause a thought... lot of people were mad because it's felt it didn't feel feel conclusive with the ending, which I'm not going to spoil, even though the game's been out for a year already. It didn't feel conclusive. So people were like, I thought this was supposed to be the end of Kingdom Hearts. No, it's the end of the Xehanort saga or the Dark Seeker saga for Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts is going to go on for however long Tetsuya Nomura feels like he wants to make Kingdom Hearts. But yeah, it, it felt conclusive for that saga. In, there are still some open questions, which the DLC is supposed to remedy, I guess. We'll find out. And it, it was tons of fun. It's a very fun game. And at the end of the day, games are supposed to be fun. Well, thank you for your response, Barbie. Hope you, hopefully that clears the air for some of these people. So, um, as per tradition, we'll go back and forth. So now I'll say something that I really appreciated this year. Comic-wise, there were a lot of flops, guys. Let's be real, real. But I really did enjoy Deceased, and I know this is something that Barbie and I both enjoyed, which was a, a six-issue yes. like miniseries that came out in, obviously, last year, and it was written by Tom Taylor Maid. He's the person who wrote Injustice and Injustice 2 and, you know, created that universe, which I also really, really love. So I was really excited when he wrote this story, and... It's basically zombie apocalypse spelt with superheroes. I have. I also have this on my list. Oh, hey! Because okay. I really, really like Deceased. Yeah, I also have it um, written by Tom Taylor, and uh, I think the artists are Trevor Harrison and James Heron. Yeah, James Heron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They they tag team, and they both 
freaking kill it. It was so good. So good, yeah. So again, we don't really spoil anything for you guys, but just know that we both really appreciated the series, and our tastes rarely, if ever, align when it comes to anything. So for both of us to like it, Deceased got the multi-genre monopoly going on Uh here because it was able to capture multiple audiences that are into different things, into different fandoms and stuff. So I really enjoyed Deceased. I thought it was really dope. And again, you might be like thinking, ah, Chelsea, another zombie apocalypse? Like again? No, but this one's not overplayed. This is a completely different zombie apocalypse because one, heroes. Two... Think about the strongest people being zombies, a.k.a. dark side little minions because of the anti-life equation. Okay? Think about that. I know. Think about how the world is going to survive this, kids. You'll see when you read Deceased by Taylor. By Taylor. By Tom Taylor. (laughs) And the least likely people you think are going to survive are there or die or either or it's just like it's not yes. it's not fully expected who's going to live or die yes it is no one is safe scenario like right off the bat key heroes die first issue just like bam boom and then they keep going they issue did. after issue after issue like she said the the characters that you expect to to be at the center of this and save the world because you know they're the main heroes in the dc universe no, girl. No one is safe. You don't know what team is going to survive till the end. You don't know what heroes are going to be there to save the day. You don't know how they're going to save the day. It's just... I was, like, sold on this by you. Because, oh, my gosh. Look at me. Because I was just like, what the heck is deceased? <laughs> and then you're like, so think about, like, you know, zombie apocalypse. And I was like, okay, sold. <laughs> because I... As you gather through the rest of my list, I'm not much of a comic reader. I read some, but not all. But, uh... As soon as you say superheroes, zombie apocalypse, I was just like, sold. Because it <laughs> sounded so cool. Yeah. And it's supposed to be, and it's also like Elseworlds kind of. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's not an Elseworlds continuity, story. So it's like, rules are gone. Anything can happen. No matter what. Tom Taylor was just like, you know what? I can do whatever the hell I want. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. And he did. He did. And it was amazing. It was so, yeah. And so I think good. that's really the freedom and the power of Elseworlds stories. Because mm-hmm. you don't have to... Not that DC really keeps to its own continuity, even in quote-unquote continuity. <laughs> because they don't. They, they really don't. But Elseworlds give you even more freedom in the sense that you don't even have to worry about that whatsoever. You don't have to keep that in mind. Because like you said... That's why this was so interesting because anything goes. Like, every issue was a surprise. You had no idea what was going to happen. And that's what made it really fun to read. And also, each, if you can get a copy of the variants. Oh, the horror variants. They they did variants for each issue where it's like the movie poster for like really famous horror movies like um, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, The Nun. The Nun, The Conjuring. The Conjuring. Um, But like with the DC people. So I think the one with that Mary Elm Street is with uh, Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. And uh, the Nun is it, Superman. And yeah, the Nun is Superman. And uh, The Conjuring, I forgot which one The Conjuring was for. But either way, it was cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, they did one for It, which was the first issue variant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and right now, it's collected. In, uh, in a trade. In yes, a trade. it's already out on trade paperback. If y'all want to pick that up at your local comic book store, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Also, it's a, uh, they have a nice, very, very, very beautiful hardback um, at Barnes & Noble. I say this because I own it. <laughs> and it has this really cool cover of Superman. And I 
not a big fan of Superman, but I bought it because it was just like, this is so cool. <laughs> you should get it. You should read it. Yeah, that's all I really have to say about Deceased because everything else you can say about Deceased is a spoiler. Yeah, exactly. Like, you literally can't say anything because everything goes... Just know it goes balls to the wall since chapter one, and uh-huh. it doesn't take its foot off the accelerator. It just keeps going, and so bomb. And he, it, there's actually going to be a second part to it yes. that comes out this year mm-hmm. um, that is called Unkillables, I believe, I, also. Uh-huh, by Tom Taylor. Yeah, also by Tom Taylor, obviously. Yeah. And it's um, a separate team that is supposed to be like working within the, the world, like this apocalypse, and it's led by Red Hood. I know Deathstroke is in it. Huh. And a couple more, like, more anti-villainy people, not, so it's the, how the, I guess how the anti-villains survive the apocalypse, <laughs> rather than how the heroes survive the apocalypse. Yeah. So it's back to the and villains and such. So it's, it's kind of like the other side of the coin, and it's called the Unkillables. I'm pretty sure almost everyone on that team specifically has died before, which is why it's called Unkillables. Uh, yeah. So, but anyway, so that looks really cool. A little hesitant, because I really don't want to read something with Deathstroke in it. <laughs> But Red Hood's the leader of that team, so, you know, I'm on the fence about it, and it's Tom Taylor, so he'll still probably make it good, so I'll probably read it. I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be great. Yeah. So, so yeah, Deceased. Go check it out. Go, for sure. Oh, <laughs> the next one on my list. Okay, so I have a little caveat to this list. See, I experienced a lot of things in 2019. Some of them are good. A lot of them are bad. One of these things I wanted to be amazing, a.k.a. Star Wars, but we know where that went. So, I experienced things in 2019 that may have not come out in 2019, but I put on this list anyway because I don't care. Because it made your 2019 better. Exactly. Even if it didn't come out that year. Exactly. And one of those things being Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, this game is so good. Just to give, like, the briefest synopsis of it, because the plot of this game really doesn't matter. Because you hear the plot, and you're going to be like, this is actually pretty serious. We play the game. What? Where did the plot go? I understand nothing. The plot is introduced in like the first five minutes and then they throw it away into the garbage with weird booty shots. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's like, see, the thing is Metal Gear has a very long and convoluted plot line. And then there is Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, where it is technically kind of in the Metal Gear continuity, but not really. Because you don't have to know a lot about Metal Gear in order to play Rising Revengeance, thankfully. So there's this corporation called the Patriots, and they are a shadow organization, but they were destroyed by the private military company, aka PMC. And the PMC want to create superhuman soldiers, i.e. like our main character named Raiden, who's just basically a cyborg, a human cyborg. And Raiden works for this place called Maverick. Maverick Security Consulting. These are all very complicated words, but they all mean nothing. But like, yeah, I'm already humor, lost. But continue. Humor me. And then we have a rival private military company called Desperado Enforcement, which is where our main antagonists come from. And what they want to do is destabilize peaceful nations so they can get more money from creating wars. That's basically their end end goal. They want to create wars to make money. And they employ this faction called the Winds of Destruction, where you have your main boss battles, a.k.a. Samuel Rodriguez. His name is Jetstream Sam, and he's a cutie. He has a very, very thick Spanish accent. Then Sundowner, who is this giant meme. He, If you know anything about 
video games, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, him will be coming up very often. Um, Mistral, who is the only female person in this team. Monsoon, Blade Wolf, who is a robot dog who you fight, but then you beat him and then he turns good. So you get a doggy companion. And then the big, big bad, his name is Stephen Armstrong, and he's a senator of Colorado. And his literal line is, we want to make America great again. Oh, no. <laughs> Throw all of that away and then just play this really fun game. Oh, okay. What do you do? Like, what kind of game is it? It's is a, it a hack and slash. It's uh, a hack, hack and, and slash, slash game. And it's high intensity, really great soundtrack. So it just gets you pumped to kill things. Yes, I literally bought this game just because of the soundtrack. All you really have to do is kill people. Enjoy the boss battles. Play the game. Enjoy Raiden, because he's very pretty. I, I only have a couple of things that I want out of the game. Good music, fun gameplay, pretty boys. And girls. Damn. And this checked all the boxes for you? Yes, because Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is a perfect game. And we're never going to get a sequel. R.I.P. Because uh, it's Metal Gear is owned by Konami. Konami is a bunch of dicks. Oh, I see. They wanted the creator of Metal Gear, aka Hideo Kojima. Oh, you told me this story. Yeah, yeah to like make games, but then he was like, they threw him under the bus for why Metal Gear was selling bad. And so he left the thing, and he didn't get to keep the rights for Metal Gear. And now they're making casino games for Metal Gear, and we're never going to get a good sequel for this. Oh, so Metal Gear Rising Revengeance... Um, is owned by Konami. It's did own, Kojima... Kojima did, didn't really have much to do with this. Uh, okay. He was just like, you can do whatever you want. The main people who made this game are is this fabulous company named Platinum Games, which may or may not come up in this list again, because <laughs> they make good, fun games. They know how to do really good gameplay. It's just really... It's a fun game, and I highly recommend it, because it's, it's short. You don't need to know anything about the story, and you're just going to have tons of fun listening to great, weird... It should belong in 2006 heavy metal music. Ah, I see. <laughs> I see why it is up your alley. Now. <laughs> I under I understand. Okay. Well, moving on. <laughs> I really I have no commentary to this. Because, wow. because Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is weird, but it's fun. All right. A theme here. Fun. Because we need more of that. We do. We do. <laughs> like you said, the Star Wars trilogy didn't give us that so mm. so you know you gotta find fun in other places yeah. like in adventures of the super sun <laughs> i didn't is... know you were gonna talk about this <laughs> well it was on my list obviously so mm-hmm. all y'all should know by now that i'm a big fun of, big fan of the super sons so a surprise to literally no one that uh one of my i guess best things that i read or experienced or whatever this year What's Adventures of the Super Sons, written by, of course, Peter J. Tomasi, and art by Carlo Barbary. Barbary. He's actually... Barbary, yes. He's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do miss George Jimenez, because he did a lot yeah. of the uh, the original, I guess, Adventure... Uh, sorry, just Super Sons. It was mm-hmm. titled Super Sons, the, those 12 issues. He did a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But Carlo was on it as well, and I think his art really fits them, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't really mind the change, and also, like, he did a really good job. So it was still obviously a lot of fun because it's Super Sun. Still bummed that this is like all we're probably going to get from them. I don't want to say in forever, but oh, in yeah, a really long time. In, um, yeah, because. John in 
Yeah, yeah. so yeah. continuity update because DC hates me as always <laughs> and is trying to steal everything I love. <laughs> Super Sons isn't going to be a thing anymore because in Bendis' new Superman run, he aged up John. Mm-hmm. So instead of being 10, he's 17 now. And in addition to that, he is now part of the relaunch of the Legion of Superheroes. On top of being aged up in the present, he actually got transported to the future. So now he's not part of this timeline any longer. So there's no way that him and Damien can keep teaming up. And on top of that, Damien's off murdering people in Teen Titans. So we don't really know what's happening there either. So Adventures of the Super Sons was just kind of like that little nugget of like, damn, I'm really not going to have them together ever again. And that made me really sad. But I was glad to at least have that. And Adventures was not as good as Super Sons. But it's always hard to, like, recapture that same magic of, like, you reading Super Sons for the first time. But it was still a really fun read. And I still really looked forward to it whenever it came out. So, obviously, Damien and John, the sons of Superman and Batman, teaming up, as we had in the Super Sons run. But now they're facing their own, like, mini Legion of Doom. So there's, like, a mini Lex Luthor. Uh... (laughs) Like, like mini villains and so it's like their mini legion of doom the kind of like thing that they have to face so real cute but it's set in space <laughs> because they get captured by the mini legion because <laughs> evil lex wants to uh experiment on mini um john i was gonna say mini john but mini john john. <laughs> john is a mini superman so yeah so you know following in actual lex's footsteps like yeah let's mess with the man of steel right instead the boy of steel so that's the premise of it. So, like, that's issue one, whatever, they get kidnapped. So then it's their adventure through space, parallel universes, and finding their way back home, basically. <laughs> um, so it's just fun and quirky, and as Super Sense always is, real cute. And as you said, fun. It was just a fun read. And again, sad that we won't get to see him again, but at least that little highlight in 2019, I got them for another. 12 issues. I'm really sorry that Dan Didio took that away from you. Yeah, he takes everything away from me. It's okay. Him and Brian Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis does people dirty. Yeah, he does. The thing with Bendis, because I do like Bendis as a writer. Me too. I think that he's a very strong writer. However, when he doesn't like a character, or a character doesn't serve exactly what he wants to do, he is the first one to throw them away, forget about them, who cares about them, just like John. The only reason he's using John is because he wanted to relaunch Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. That's the only reason he got aged up and taken away from the timeline and taken away from the Super Sons. Exactly. Because it served his run better, mm-hmm. which is fine. I actually really like how he writes Superman, but I don't like how he writes anyone surrounding Superman because if he doesn't care about them, you can tell he doesn't care about exactly. them. Exactly. That's my main issue with him as a writer. Again, I think he's really good. He's created really amazing characters. Um, He's created really amazing stories. But at the same time, he... Like any other author. Everyone has their faults. No one's perfect. But what I particularly don't like about his writing is that you can tell when he doesn't like who he's writing. Or he doesn't care about who he's writing. He also sucks at writing team-ups. He also sucks at writing team-ups. You're absolutely right. Because he likes to have a focal character. And then everyone else... He's really good at creating a new character. Giving them rich backstory. And then expanding on that. And then eventually it fizzles out, a.k.a. with Miles. Miles' yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man run eventually fizzled out, and then they had to introduce him into the 616 and blah, blah, blah. And we all know who that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jessica Jones, which didn't fizzle out because he knew when to end it. And then we have things that I really wanted to look forward to, like Dark Avengers, but we know how that one is. <laughs> yeah, like, like team-ups. Like, I didn't like his X-Men run either. Yeah, uh, a lot of people don't like his team-ups. Yeah. 
Because, uh, like you said, I think he's just really good at focusing on one character and really fleshing out that one character. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to balancing that character with other characters, it's a lot harder for him. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree. Because, again, I really like his Superman, but I don't like how he wrote Lois. I don't like how he wrote John. It is what it is what it is. We don't control things. We, we, uh, we can only enjoy what we can, which is why, <laughs> which is why I'm saying R.I.P. Adventure of the Super Sons. But I 100% enjoyed it while it lasts. And I will miss Peter J. Tomasi on Superman and the Superfam in any capacity. So is that, he, isn't he doing Detective Comics now? He is on tech. He is oh, on okay. tech comics right now. Yeah. So, but that's why I said I'll miss him on the Superman uh, side of things. Because he's true. not doing that anymore. But anyway, so moving on. What's your, <laughs> what's your next one? So this is another one that did not come out in 2019. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> it's a game called Near Automata. Oh, I'm actually really surprised Near made it on your list. I didn't expect to like this game as much as I did. It is... Well, our friend Coco would very um, much disagree. Well, she does not know what games are. <laughs> hey, you hear that, Coco? If you listen in, she's calling you out here, kid. <laughs> we'll probably have Coco on for one of these episodes so you can you can meet her. And then they could bash each other. And then you can be like, "How did? why does she sound like that? <laughs> And then you just have to introduce the story again. Oh my god, no, 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 no. We're not doing this right now. You know what? This is for the future. This, this is for not right now. Anyway, yes, Nier Automata came out in 2017. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it came out that it long didn't ago. Came, yeah, it didn't feel like it did um, But yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's developed by um, Platinum Games. It team up with Square Enix. A director, Yoko Taro. And music by Keiichi Okabe. I mentioned in the music because the music is very, very, very good. They created a specific language for this game. So, like, if you hear some of the vocal tracks, it's going to sound really weird. Be like, this isn't Japanese. This isn't English. This isn't whatever language you want it to be. No, because they made a language for the game. And it's really good music. This is another game where it's going to be very hard to synopsize. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, I'm going to give you okay. what I oh, think Nier oh, okay. is. Okay, do it, do it, do it. I'm so curious. And then you... You correct me. Okay. 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 Complete disclaimer. I have no idea what this game is. I've only... I only know it through both my friends Barbie and Coco and, like, through things I've seen online. Uh-huh. So, that's Do my it. disclaimer. Okay. So, near Automata. Uh-huh. There's this girl with silver hair. Uh-huh. And a boy with silver hair. Uh-huh. And they both can't see. <laughs> <laughs> they probably can see, but they have eye patches. Weird. Okay. Um, and it's the end of the world. Uh-huh. And they're fighting... To stop the end of the world, and you can get like a million different endings for said boy and girl, mm-hmm. whether good or bad. Mm-hmm. And the girl's thigh slits really high for no reason. And that's <laughs> it. That's all I know. Okay, so you're actually not that far off. Hey, you so, go Twitter. So there is the girl with silver hair. Her name is 2B. The boy with silver hair. His name is 9S. And then there's another girl with silver hair, but her hair is longer. And okay. her name is A2. It is post apocalyptic. Um, oh, hey, guys, I was right. What ha- ha- happened is... Are they robots or something? Is that they are they're... androids. Okay, that's why they're... They're like androids, and they're very much aware that they are androids. They have blindfolds that are supposed to be, like, some visor thingy that helps them see better. Oh, okay. It's probably supposed to be some stupid metaphor. It's just, like, we're blind to whatever is actually happening. Oh, okay. The I direct... was like, they're blind. <laughs> <laughs> they have blindfolds. <laughs> it's like seeing Neji and, and uh, Hinata and Haruto for the first time. <laughs> they're blind. They're blind. <laughs> yeah, what happened is, is that aliens made machines, machines invaded Earth, 
machines killed humankind, humankind retreated to the moon. And now humankind made the androids that are part of this thing called Yorha to defeat the machines so mankind can come back to Earth. What actually, actually happened is that mankind has been dead. There is just an ever-longing war between machine and android. That's oh, crazy. so they're basically fighting for nothing? They're basically fighting for nothing. And the androids are kept on being told that the machines just want to kill. That's it. But they eventually meet machines that are very... They're, they're pacifists. They don't want to fight. They just want to live normal lives. Some of the machines even adopt, like, the nuclear family role. Mom, dad, two kids, machine dog. <laughs> and... There are multiple endings. There are, in fact, 26 endings, one corresponding to each letter of the alphabet. There are only five important endings. One you get for completing the story for 2B, one for completing the story for 9S, one for completing the story as A2, defeating 9S. I don't care if these are spoilers. This game came out years ago. Like years <laughs> you hear ago. that, kids? She don't care. No. Spoiler alert, be damned. She's just going in. <laughs> um, A2, defeating 9S. And then 9S defeating A2, but he dies in the process. Those are four endings already. And then the fifth ending, each android gets a pod that fights with them. And the pods become kind of sentient. And they're like, we can't let them die like this. And then you have to go through this weird shoot 'em up thing where you shoot little bullets at the credits. So you'll see, like, developed by Yoko Taro. And you have to defeat him. He's kind of like a boss. And it's actually really hard. So many people die in this. And then they have to start from the beginning. That is so weird. But in the middle of it, you get extra, like, fighters with you. And then you find out these are people that have defeated, that, that beat the game and beat the shoot up thing, but chose yes to an option. So when you defeat all the credits, you get an option. The option is you have to delete your data to save the other people. So everything you literally did to beat this game, you have to delete it. And then you become like a little fighter thing for the next person playing the game. So you end up losing all your save data. In order to save another person. You can choose not to, but then you get a bad ending. Come at me bad ending, because there's no way (laughs) in hell that I'm deleting all of my saved data. (laughs) It gets super meta. That is so weird. Yeah, no, one of the endings is, um, Tubi eats a fish. Yum. But she dies, because she's an (laughs) intro. What the fuck is this game? (laughs) Okay, the, the thing is, this game is actually... The story is... Catch me eating a fish later on tonight, guys. (laughs) (laughs) The story is, I don't want to say it's deep, but I I just want to say it's interesting. Okay, that's fair. So it keeps you interested, and while you may not like it, I think it's a a good ride along the way. Because it just keeps you guessing. It's like, wait, what's going to happen next? Why is she here? Who are these people? Just to preface it, you don't really need to know about Yoko Taro's other games aka Dragon Guard or the original Nier, but it does help to know it for the little Easter eggs in the game. Oh, okay. If that's something that you if you care want. about, yeah. Yeah. But um, you do but not uh, have to so, play. so what kind is this like an it's RPG? An, it's another hack and slash game. Oh it's another hack and so, slash. So um Platinum Games they usually make hack and slash games. Oh okay okay. They're very good at it. Like very good. They made other games like Bayonetta. Oh, these are the Bayonetta people. Yeah, so they're known... Holler at my girl, Bayonetta. They are known for, uh, let's see, people that look very good and have very nice butts. 
aka Bayonetta, Raiden. <laughs> Raiden has a beautiful butt. And to be, which we get to see yes. in very in a, a very often. Because you have an option to self destruct and when you do, you kill the people around you and your dress explodes. And that's how you see her butt. On um, everybody in Platinum Games fights in heels. Oh okay. even Raiden. His his heels are a good like three four inch plus. Equality at least. Oh, everyone has heels. <laughs> everyone has heels. Heels are bust. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. I will say that that sounds interesting, although I have no intention of ever playing it. Don't. Watch a playthrough. That's what I did. <laughs> some of these games I've watched a playthrough for, some of these i played. I don't have time to play all these games. That's fair. Ain't no one got time for that. If you have a full-time job, girl, you gotta pay them bills, alright? We might be nerds, but we gotta pay them bills. Exactly. So we do what we can. Alright, so move on to the next one. Actual surprise, my next one's a game. <gasps> Barbie, can you guess what game it is? I know exactly what game it what is. What game is it? Does it happen to have Pokemon? It does. Oh my god. I've never been more right in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so decided to throw a couple non-comics in here and say... Egad. <gasps> oh my god, I never thought. But uh, I really liked Pokemon Sword and Shield. I haven't really heard all the hate for it. I know that it exists through Barbie and, like, I guess other people who were talking about it kind of, like, being conflicted about it because of the mixed reviews and stuff, but I still thought it was a really fun game. Maybe it's because this is my first Pokemon game since probably Gold and Silver on my Game Boy Advance. (laughs) So I haven't played a Pokemon game in a real long time, other than Pokemon Go, but that definitely doesn't count. Um, So this was, like, bam, nostalgia. And also it was still new because like of the new uh, wild area and stuff like that. So like there were new elements and old elements and like people complaining that it's too easy. Dude, don't catch any Pokemon and just go fight. (laughs) Then it'll be real hard. I I promise you. Go, go, go fight Raihan without the right Pokemon. Yeah, go, go fight being super under level if you want it to be harder. Because I think that's one of the main complaints that it's too easy. But I mean, it's a Pokemon game. This is made for children. It's, it's, it's not going to be that hard. It's not made for grown-ass adults yeah. either. The one complaint I would have is that I wish you could turn experience share off. Um, mm. That's my only thing. Because I do like how it used to be that you would just level up one Pokemon at a mm-hmm. time. It would take longer, but like I enjoyed the grind because then you got to really like play with that one Pokemon. Mm-hmm. With experience share, I feel like I had someone on my team that I barely played with, but he, he was on the same level as everyone else, so I thought that was a little weird. Uh And I wish that there was an option of turning that off. Okay. But other than that, Uh I don't think it's, again, a real problem of it, quote-unquote, being too easy or too uh, predictable. It's like, dude, this is a game for kids. It's always going to be a game for kids. It doesn't doesn't matter that its uh, audience grew up with the games and stuff. Like, this is going to be for the next generation of kids. Kids still play these games, so it's like... I don't really see the problem of it being, like, a classic Pokemon game. Because, I mean, they have been the same for years now. <laughs> they, they haven't, from what I know, they haven't really changed much. So, I really enjoyed Sh- Sword and Shield. I got Sword. Barbara got Shield. She still owes me Pokemon because I completed all the things that <laughs> I could possibly do in Sword. But I'm waiting for my girl to send over the Pokemon I'm missing from my Pokedex. <clears throat> this would have been a lot easier if Coco got shield instead of sword just pointing that out <laughs> because i have other games more play. shade at coco sorry coco if you're listening no i don't care i have more games to play on my nintendo switch aka fire emblem which i still have not beat so i mean i don't not blame coco but i also <laughs> want you to hurry up <laughs> 
Like, that's, those, are, <laughs> those are my true feelings. I know. <laughs> and yeah, because I really want that shiny charm before all the new Pokemon get released. I don't know if they're going to affect the Pokedex or not. I actually have no idea. Because if they are, then I'll be real sad that I have to go hunting again after already putting in a hundred plus hours on this thing. And like, yeah, that's how much I really, I really like the game. And again, it was super fun trying out my own little team and they're so HD now and you go camping with them and they're super cute and they all want to be your friend. It's really cute. (laughs) It's real sweet, real easy, real simple, real relaxing. Again, if you want a challenge, one, this ain't the game. Two, literally don't catch anything and just YOLO it. Just start, no, off, just start off with the weird meow, and that's it. That's your end game Pokemon. That's it. One Pokemon for everything. Vale. You want a challenge? Go. One potion. <laughs> just just, not, just a no, potion. No not, revives. No, re- no revives, no hyper potion. Just one potion. <laughs> that's it. But yeah, so I really like Sword and Shield. It, it really put me back in the Pokemon groove and really made me realize why I thought Go was annoying so much. I was like, <laughs> damn, like... Because it's not the same. It's not the same feel. Like, they tried to, but... But I think Sword and Shield is, like, has that classic Pokemon vibes with a new modern twist to it. Again, with the wild area and some other, like, camping and, like, other things that you can do that you wouldn't be able to do before. I think the new Pokemon are real cute. I love Yamper. Holler for a dollar. I love Yamper. I love Corviknight so much. I think he is beautiful. And I really do like the designs of Zacian and Zamazenta because I love wolves. And I'm not complaining about a wolf with a sword and a wolf with a shield girl. Okay? I, I they look cute. I, they are adorable and they look fluffy. And I'm so glad <laughs> I got the shield one. Yeah. And I then, don't remember the names. <laughs> yeah, Zamazenta is the shield. There Zacian go. is the sword. Yes. And I really like Zacian. She is my cute, legendary, fighting fairy something. She has a weird... Yeah. No, it, the, yours one, your, the sword one, Zacian, Zacian yeah. is stronger than the shield one. Oh, that makes sense. It, it kind of pissed me off a little bit. Oh, I'm lie. sorry. It's okay. We got better gym. Oh, I do. I do wish that I had Melanie. Yeah. Melanie's cute, and I like little girls boy. And I love the gym leaders, too, yeah. in general. I thought they were super cute. It, this Milo, game, holler for a dollar. This game, to me, felt really well-rounded. Me, too. I Because, like, I played... I got back into Pokemon with Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby, because those were, like, the HD remakes for Sapphire and Ruby. Yeah. And those were really fun. Then I got X and Y. Didn't really like it. Got Sun and Moon. Didn't really like it. Got Sword and Shield. Really loved it. So they know what they're doing from time to time, in my humble opinion. But this game felt like a lot of fun. No matter the hate, aka the hate being like, oh, they're getting lazy for not releasing the entire Pokédex. Oh, that's so dumb. Like, girl, girl, have you ever programmed? Have you ever tried to make something that could sustain those that many uh, sprites? Oh my god. Like, it's really hard and I didn't mind that we didn't have the whole Pokedex at all and I and like right now they're expanding so mm-hmm. I mean maybe eventually we will but for I didn't again I didn't really mind it because at the end of the day a new Pokemon game I'm more interested in the new Pokemon than I am in having all the old Pokemon exactly like it was clutch that a lot of gen 1 Pokemon are still in there just because of the classics mm-hmm. so like we still got Vulpix, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. my favorite Pokemon of all time, Vulpix and Ninetales. And then Ar- we still got Arcanine. Uh-huh. And we uh, got a... The one thing that I was kind of upsetting spaghetti about is that we didn't get the three starters, the original starters. Yeah. That's think, the only thing that I'm I like... I think we're going to get them in the DLC. I think we might, yeah. But in general, I wasn't too put off by the fact that we couldn't have the whole Pokédex. Mm-hmm. I know I would. Yeah, so but yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. I'll just keep going on this if I keep going. <laughs> just know that Pokemon Sword and Shield was real fun. 
it inspired this non-gamer, aka me, to put 100-plus <laughs> hours into a game. I didn't even do that with the Batman games, guys. She really didn't. And I love Batman. And the Batman games are actually really fun. I still need to play Knight, but I've played all the other ones. And not even Spider-Man. And not even Spider-Man. I didn't... Fi- I finished the story for Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Um, and then I didn't... I didn't go back and, like, 100% it or anything. But Pokemon, I was like, balls to the wall, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> I will find that dumb little ice cube. I will... Whatever. Whatever you want me to do, Pokemon. And some of them are really, really annoying to find. Oh but anyway, I love Sword and Shield. I thought it was real fun. If you're a fan of the Pokemon games, I do definitely recommend it. And Sword or Shield, they're both going to be fun. Don't you worry, child. It was on my honorable mention because they're fun games. All right, your next one. Okay, lo and behold, another video game. <laughs> oh my god. I will talk about a comic soon, I promise. It just so happened that you talked about Deceased, and Deceased was on my list as well. So, there are some comics on my list, and a movie. But my next thing is a game that some people may know. It's called Resident Evil 2. Very good game. Top 10. Recommend. I'll <laughs> <laughs> no, go a little bit. I'll go a little bit more. I should have won Game of the Year, by the way. But yeah, if you don't know about Resident Evil, it's a survival horror. Follows Leon and Claire. Leon works at Raccoon City Police Department. He just so happened to be in the middle of when the... Which virus is it? There's too many viruses in Resident Evil. Let's just Evil. call it the... It's, a, uh, it's the, the T-virus. T-virus. It's the T-virus. Okay. When the T-virus broke out and took over Raccoon City, he was there. He was like, oh no, I gotta stop this. Then he stops it. And then there's Claire, who's just trying to find her brother, Chris Redfield, aka the protagonist of RE1, who works at Raccoon City Police Department. And she was also caught in the middle. She's like, okay, I gotta stop it. So she stops it. So you play as both of them, or just Leon? Yeah, you play as both of them. There are technically four routes. There's Leon A and B, and then there's Claire A and B, depending on who you start on first. Okay, and then you just go... And then you just go through the story, and then... And try not to die. Try not to die, basically. Because mutated zombie people are going to come get you, fam. Yes. The only thing I know about this game is that Leon looks absolutely beautiful in HD Remaster. That's all I know. He is absolutely gorgeous, (laughs) and they gave him the most beautiful lips. They are fully hydrated throughout the entire game. I don't know how, but they are. Mine aren't fully hydrated right now, girl, and I'm not running up for my life. Exactly, from freaking Mr. T. (laughs) A.K.A. very imposing giant nemesis man. He has an an actual name. Resident Evil lore is deep and complex, and there's too many games. Watch a video about it. I'm not here for that. I don't fully understand. We don't. This podcast would be way too long if we tried to explain any of that. Exactly. Um, It's really good. This is how a remaster remake should be. They should take the elements of what made the original game great and then fix on the aspects that should be fixed. Like, because it's been a while since that game came out. It came out, like, in the 90s. So, what they did, updated graphics. They have, it's no longer a fixed camera, which means, like, when you enter a oh, room... Oh, you can, like, look around You can stuff. look around now, because we have the technology for that. And it's over-the-shoulder third person, which... My opinion works really well for a Resident Evil game. For a horror game, I think. For it works a horror well. game, it works very well. I don't think first person is the best for a horror game, even though it's supposed to be more atmospheric, but whatever. So this is how a remaster, remake, HD, whatever, whatever you want to call it, should be done. And like I said, it should have won Game of the Year, but Sekiro won. But whatever. <laughs> she ain't bitter or nothing. I am not bitter <laughs> at all. 
and the plot of the game is very simple. The first couple of Resident Evil games, plots are very simple. It's when they keep on expanding is when it gets more Yeah, that's usually what happens. It's like, wow, we've done already, like, the surface level stuff, so now we're going to try to explain more of it. And then that's when it either gets really good or real bad. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on what it is. Exactly. AKA Resident Evil 5 and 6. <laughs> play Resident Evil 2. It's very, very good. You will get scared. I got scared and I didn't play the game. I just watched a playthrough. Because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a scaredy cat. You're a chicken wing, I know. I am a chicken wing. Alright. Your turn. Yeah, alright. My next one's short and simple. End game. <laughs> you know, that, that little movie that uh, Marvel did uh, earlier in 2019? <laughs> I know. I Real... Tell me about it, it, it was really not impressive in the box office or anything. Didn't break any records. Um, I heard Avatar did better. Yeah, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so, Disney, once again, beat Disney in the box office. It was, <laughs> it was a really monumental occasion. <laughs> but yeah, Endgame, I think, even with all its flaws, I think the MCU really built up to something worth building up to and something really incredible and impactful that when you watched it, you could have been anyone and been like, wow, that was amazing. It was later on, like it always gets, that you start overanalyzing things and you're like, wow, that's an issue. Wow, that's an issue. But I think for what it was, and especially in the moment, I thought it was incredible. I walked out of that movie being like, whoa, this was worth the 10-year wait or the 10-year buildup exactly. and stuff. So I think that in this age where franchises keep constantly um, falling short of their potential... <coughs> DC. <laughs> <laughs> What, what, what was that? I didn't hear that. Uh, oh, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so, in that sense, like, they did what no other franchise has been able to do in the last couple years, and it's deliver. And it's delivered a movie that, for the most part, was universally liked. I highly agree. Yeah. I also enjoyed Endgame quite a lot. I remember I we came out watching that movie and was like, I think I like Infinity War better. Yeah. And then I went back and I watched Endgame like four more times. Despite it being like three hours long. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was really good. Again, whatever your gripes are with it, whatever your gripes are with the characters, I think that they, de like, they delivered for the most part on a great experience. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a solid story. But a great experience. And it's definitely one of the highlights of 2019. Definitely. 100%. Cat picking up Munir? Girl. Oh my god, the music. Nothing can take away. And then afterwards, like, yes, and the music then. or And then when everyone comes back, nothing will take away from those moments in my life. The first Because time, they were incredible. The first time Captain America says, Avengers Assemble. Yeah. In the entire MCU. Yeah. Oh god. I'm getting so chills. Good. Right? So yeah. good. So, so yeah. So I don't, I don't think... That needs any more explanation. Endgame was a highlight of my 2019, and that's that. Just a fun fact, when you enter Endgame in the opening credits, it's only half the orchestra playing. Yes, yes, you told me. Yeah. See, I, it's the the devil's it, in the details, uh, and Alan, for the most part, mm -hmm. the details are there. Alan Silvestri, great composer. Yeah. My next thing is a comic book. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. That I read in 2019. It definitely did not come out in 2019. <laughs> definitely. It is a little little story called The Long Halloween. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds like something that could have potentially been featured in this podcast last year. Oh, my goodness. Maybe, perhaps. <laughs> or maybe the year before. I don't really know. I, I think it was the year before. Oh, damn. Yeah, because it was in October. Yeah, we it was did in it for October. Halloween. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I read it last year for Halloween. I'm like, maybe I should probably read it. 
it's this little story written by Jeff Loeb and by far my favorite Batman artist himself. And if you don't know about it, you should probably know you about it. You should just check out our podcast on you it. Should. Melissa and I covered this. It is our long Halloween podcast. So if you don't know about it, you can go ahead and catch us talking about it. And it's spoiler free until the very end where we say, oh, we're going to say the mm-hmm. spoiler. And then you can either choose to read it on your own or have us spoil it for you. Exactly. Um, you can get the summary there. So <laughs> Exactly, so I don't have to say it. Yeah. Um, although it's something I do want to point out is that I think it's very cool that, it, that each issue was released monthly. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, comics are usually released monthly. And some of them are bi-weekly, some of them are weekly. I know, but in the olden days, yeah. most of them so were monthly. The bi-weekly yeah. thing um, mm-hmm. actually became more of a thing recently, right. like with Batman, for oh. whatever reason. Oh, right, right. But it's a rare schedule. Mm-hmm. Most things release monthly. Yeah, I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, so, I mean, imagine reading that monthly at the edge of your seat, oh, right? Yeah. So, especially since it's coincide with each holiday of the month. Yeah, exactly. So, so. I think... I think that's why it was such an impactful story then, and it's still really fun to read now. Because, like, reading it then, you were, like, month by month, you were on it. You you Mm -hmm. felt like you were in the story because of how it flowed through the season Mm -hmm. stuff. And even now, you can get the sense of, like, how time flows through the story really well. Yeah, because Jeff Loeb is really good at saying, this is how much time has passed. It's really long. And then you just get, like, Tim Sales. Tim Sales is not a great artist i think he's just a stylistic artist and i love it i think it fits really well with batman personally i agree yeah um, it, it gives it a sense of whimsy 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 <laughs> um i was thinking of whismer yeah that's how, <laughs> how far up the, the pokemon alley i'm at so um it's very whimsical because of how artistic he is but at the same time it's still dark in the tone of batman which is really hard to balance i would say that that's a weird thing that you wouldn't combine whimsy and batman because then you'd get camp, but it's not camp. Yeah. It's so, it's still like dark and gritty, but the, whimsy. Well, whimsical, yeah. It's it's real. Again, loved it, and that's why Melissa and I covered and uh, a whole podcast about it. So. so go listen to it. Yeah, your turn. <laughs> All right, speed <laughs> round. Okay, so this is also going to be really short because this is literally like a chapter in a chapter. Okay, so. <laughs> But it's from the War of the Realms run, which is uh, an event that happened in Marvel last year. Mm-hmm. And it is from War Scrolls 2. It is a story by Anthony Olivaria and drawn by Nick Robes. Robles? I think that's how you pronounce I'm sorry, Nick. Nick <laughs> Robles, amazing artist. You were phenomenal and I love you. Um, and it's called My Drag Brunch with Loki. Oh my god. And um, it <laughs> so it was part of the War of the Realm series and obviously it f- uh, focuses on two of my favorite characters ever in the Marvel Universe, Teddy and Billy. Mostly Billy. Oh yeah, I remember So this. basically he goes to brunch with Loki, but he think he thinks it's Kate. He's going with Kate mm-hmm. and then he figures out that it's Loki. And it's Loki, Loki basically being like, hey dude, like we're friends, right? Can you like join up with me and let's rule the world? You know, regular <laughs> Loki stuff. And then, but then Billy tells him, I know that like you messed up a lot, but I still think that you could be a good person or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's like this whole explanation. And slightly spoiler... Some, yeah, I guess spoilers. So Loki dies at the end of this. Okay. Um, in war in the War of the Realms things, I'm pretty sure he's back or gonna come back. Loki never dies. The god of mis- mischief is always reborn. So basically, kind of having that flashback to him having mm-hmm. like brunch with Billy and stuff, and then to him actually making a sacrifice of trying to be a good person because he's in cahoots with one of the main villains in the War of the Realms run. Yeah, for being such a short 
contained story. I think it had so much punch that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. I was just expecting a cute, random <laughs> brunch special with <laughs> Billy and Teddy being domestic. And then I was like, oh my god, the the wind got knocked out. I don't even like Loki that much, but like I got slapped with emotions. Because <laughs> yeah, like this... The opening is him and, and Thor as kids on yeah. Asgard. So, and then it ends with them. And I was like, yo, what the heck, Anthony? How did you make such a, like, concise little story that, like, hurt but was still really good? So, that short comic story in World Scrolls 2 really, really impressed me in 2019. So, y'all can check that out if you'd like. And listeners, Chelsea is tearing up as she said this. <laughs> yeah, because I'm remembering it now and I'm like, damn. Anyway. I, yeah, and it, yes, I did cry, okay, reading this. <laughs> Sue me, okay? I'm emotional. All right. I think I'm ready for my honorable mention. All right, yes. roll them in. I have one more, and then I'll do my honorable mention. Go do your one more. Okay, so we were, like, out of sync. So I'm going to do one, uh-huh. and then um, Barbie's going to do her honorable mentions, and then I'm going to do my honorable mentions. All right, so my last one that I have on my list is Superman Smashes the Clan, written by Glenn Luen Yang. If I butchered that name, I am so sorry. I really tried my best. (laughs) And the art? What the? I think he actually did the art, too. You go, dude. Gen. Oh, it's Gen, not Glenn. My bad. Gen Luen Yang. But anyway, it's, as you would expect it, Superman fighting the Ku Klux Klan. (laughs) Um, And it's based off a radio show episode of Superman. So... The reason Superman got super popular outside of the comics is because they had a radio show for Superman. And that's where a lot of, like, the mythos and stuff comes from, actually. From the radio show. Because it was so popular in the 50s, 60s, whenever it came out. So, this was one of the most popular series that the radio show had. Because they were doing kind of, like, episodes. So, think of them as, like, podcasts, basically. That they did. (laughs) Yeah, like, little, like, radio podcast stories of, Mm -hmm. like, Superman. So, in Superman Smashes the Clan, Superman helps... These kids who are seeing that the that the Ku Klux Klan is like moving into town or like terrorizing people, whatever. So it's their team up to stop the clan. So Gen, who's a Chinese author, is actually reimagining the story, like kind of more modern take because it still takes place in the past, uh-huh. but it's really re- more relevant. And it's going to be three parts. Each of the issues are really fat. They're like 80 pages, so they, they chunky. And parts one and two are out. They came out in 2019, and part three will be coming out this year. I don't know when, actually, but it'll be coming out sometime this year. And I think it's just, a again, fun. Uh, a fun take on Superman and also just that era and how it's still relevant now. Um, and I usually don't, not that I don't like politics in my comics, but I don't usually look for that in my comics, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's always going to be there. Everyone's informed about the political atmosphere to a certain extent, and how is that not going to influence your writing as a writer? Exactly. So I get it, but I'm usually not as attracted to those kinds of things, like, unless I'm in the mood for it. Mm-hmm. But with Superman Smashes the Clan, I think you get a lot of the whimsy and heroism of Superman, and also, like, a really clear-cut definition on like the issues now and like discrimination and just like everything and I think he does a really good job so far um with these two issues that are out and I'm sure that the third issue will kick ass too and so if you were a fan of the Superman radio show or a fan of (laughs) yeah I mean because I mean people even now listen to it because it's still influential Uh because it's such a big deal yeah 
So if you like that kind of thing and want a, a new reimagining of it, I would definitely recommend this. And also I'd recommend this if you want to see Superman being real cute with kids and also kicking the KKK's ass. So I think it's a win-win situation here. And so 1010 recommend. All right. Honorable mention time. Okay. So speed run, Astral Chain. It was the first game I bought for my Nintendo Switch when I got my Nintendo Switch. It's tons of fun. It is developed by... Um, platinum games <laughs> you can a trend tell, here yeah you can tell i really love platinum games because they make very fun games um so you just hack and slash another one hack and slash um art artist is um masazaku katsura aka the guy who drew tiger and bunny oh my god yeah so oh my gosh my babies i know none so, of you know this but i love tiger and bunny it's such a like <laughs> like my backstory or whatever you're getting a glimpse into my past. Jelsey's origin story. She used to be a weeaboo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's tons of fun. I highly recommend it. And much like every other Platinum game, it has great music. Oh my god. The like, music. The soundtrack. If that's the thing you care about, then like all of Barbie's recommendations are probably good. should be on your list. Because that's like almost number one always for her. The soundtrack. I don't even pay attention, dude. I just bop or I don't. That's it. Exactly. Because I want to say like... Thirty percent of my iPod, Spotify, whatever library is video game soundtracks because video game soundtracks can be good. Let's see, this Astral Chain, and then we have one of my favorite movies that came out this year, Shazam. <gasps> oh my god, I did a podcast on it. You guys did do a podcast. Oh on Oh my it. gosh, I'm just randomly put that in there too in my honorable mentions. Shazam. <laughs> Shazam so was good. so good. If the opening credit didn't exist, it would be. If the opening scene didn't exist, it'd be a perfect movie. Continue. I love the opening scene. Oh, well, I didn't. Continue. <laughs> I know, sidebar. But I think the opening scene is too juxtaposed with the tone of the rest of the movie. Uh, I think it's too too much of a disconnect. Yeah. Too much of a disconnect. I, I don't know. I like... I didn't mind him being evil. Uh-huh. I don't care about that. Obviously, he's the bad guy. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that randomly seeing his dad get brained on the floor and, like, <laughs> him get thrown... Like, I thought it was way too much. I'm like, what the... And it, it just threw me off. Got it. Continue. But yes, Shazam, very good. Nobody was expecting Shazam to be as good as it was. Mm-mm. I wish it was even more successful than it was. It should have been more successful than Captain Marvel in my, head, in my non-biased but correct opinion. I completely agree. <laughs> um, it was just more fun. It was tons of more fun. It was more fun. The story was better. And Zachary Levi... Okay, I don't want to go into this entire thing where Brie Larson wasn't likable and Zachary Levi was more likable, but Zachary Levi was more likable. <laughs> It's not that and this is coming from two girls. Yeah, so it's nothing to do with that. It's a, but I think it's also we just have a predisposition to not like Captain Marvel. I mean, yes, and also what a friend of ours said, like she didn't struggle to get anything. She, she was, really didn't. She, she was just, literally handed powers, and she had powers. It, it, there was there cool. was no progression or whatever you want to call it to get to where she was. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's not okay. much happened. Like, yeah. for how cool it was, not much Not much happened for her as a character, should yeah. I say. Okay. Where a lot happened for, uh, for Billy, Billy Batson, Batson as a character. Yeah, he was also, like, handed powers mm-hmm. by a wizard, whatever. But, but he got his ass kicked, and without um, his family, he would have lost. So many times. So, and we got, you know. And we got a cool training montage. And we got a cool training montage. Oh. So, yeah, Shazam. Another one that's on my list is... Um, Yakuza 0, which did not come out in 2019, but I played it in 2019. I highly recommend it. It's I don't want to say it's the best starting point for getting into the Yakuza series. I would say Yakuza Kiwami 1, which is the remake for Yakuza 1, is the best starting point for Yakuza. 
But Yakuza 0 is very, 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 very good. It's a beat-em-up game. You play as a person in the Yakuza. Good music. Great characters. It's a fantastic story. You will cry. I have cried in every single Yakuza game I've played. <laughs> and She's a crybaby, too. Don't take that. I'm not that much of a crybaby. Says <laughs> mm. <laughs> the other crybaby mm. in the room. I, I admit I am one. <laughs> anyway, they're all very good. And it also has some silly parts. So I highly recommend Yakuza 0. And that is basically it for my honorable mentions. Endgame is also there, but we've talked enough about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So my honorable mentions are uh, New Agents of Atlas and Marvel's creation of Wave and all of the Atlas um, agents in general. I think it's really cool to explore new characters, and I'm always down to clown with them, even though obviously I love old characters as well. But I like what they're trying with Wave. I really hope New Agents of Atlas continues to be good and gets even better. And has like more tie-ins and more relevance with the Marvel world right now. Even though Marvel only cares about the X-Men right now. So <laughs> I'm so sorry, Wave, uh, that you are getting put on the back burner with all the other people. But, you know, just shout out to that. Because, uh, again, I really admire and love new character creations. So uh, <laughs> go them. Um, and then also honorable mention is uh, Young Justice by Bendis. Because I'm very conflicted about it. So it wasn't going to... It was anticipated to be in my most, like, look forward to things of 2019, but mm -hmm. it didn't end up that way. But it's an honorable mention still because we got the core four together, and we haven't had them together in years. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, Bendis brought the core four together. My babies. Core four being Tim Drake Robin, Connor Kent Superboy, or Connell, whatever you want to call him. Bar Allen as, I guess he's still is, Impulse here. Was, yeah. Like, is he Kid Flash or Impulse? Yeah, he's Impulse. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, Cassie Sandsmark as Wonder Girl. So being the original for Young Justice characters, in addition to other people, but, you know, they're known as the core four. And so I was glad to see them together after, like, not seeing any of them for, <laughs> like, all of uh, Rebirth. That was nice. Even though this is another one of the ones, like, Naomi's being tied into this. Naomi being uh, a Bendis character. Yeah. So it's one of those times that I feel like Bendis is just using all these characters to better serve the characters he created. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little worried about that. I'm kind of iffy about this run. But it gets an honorable mention because, again, the core four gets back together. Connor's back in continuity and has a sick redesign outfit <laughs> by Patrick Gleason. So, you know, we hold on to these nuggets of truth. And those are my honorable mentions. Oh, yay. And Shazam. <laughs> and Shazam. Okay, so, so... Do we talk about quickly what we're looking for? Yeah, yeah I, was gonna, I was about to ask okay. you, what are you looking forward to in 2020, Barbie? Um, what is your nerdy heart telling you to Final love? Fantasy VII. <laughs> despite got, getting delayed. But only by, like, a month. So it's not that bad. Girl, it could be delayed six months and as I still as, buy it. I don't care. Exactly. It's great. As long as this game is ready for me. I, I hate playing a half-assed, half-made game. Oh my god. It, so it's like, don't rush it, girl. Literally, release it whenever you want. I will play it. I don't care. Despite my love for it, Final Fantasy fifteen, it got rushed. And that's, oh, what, and that's yeah. why it felt, feels like half a game. Yeah. Because it got rushed. Mm -hmm. Tetsuya Nomura Square, don't rush this thing that we've been waiting so long for. Exactly. Even though it's going to be delivered in parts... So, like, we're not going to get a... It's not going to be, like, the full entire original Final Fantasy VII game. Okay. It's going to be part of it from the original game. But I'm very, very, very looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to Animal Crossing. Because oh. <laughs> I love Animal Crossing. It is a very relaxing game. It, put, it, it You literally zone out. And sometimes you just need that. 
Like you trying to complete the Pokédex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just in the grass for hours. Yeah. Mindlessly, like, hatching eggs or trying to look for those 2% encounters. Fuck you, Turtonator. And uh, Persona 5, the Royal. Because I love Persona. Yes. Yes, you do. If I ever get to do my top video game soundtrack podcast episode, you will hear a lot about Persona. It'll be Persona 5, Persona 4, Persona 3, Persona, <laughs> Persona Q, Persona 4 Dancing, Persona 3 Dancing. <laughs> I would literally take the entire hour talking about Persona and then be like, oh yeah, I forgot about all these other games. But that's for another episode. Um, I'm also looking forward to the Disney Plus Marvel series. Oh, okay. That's coming out, like, towards the end of the year, but it's still coming out this year, hopefully. <laughs> In theory. In theory. And um, I honestly can't think of anything else that's coming out this year. In terms of comics, I only really care about a couple people, and they're being done dirty. Oh, no, 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 no. X-Factor. Oh, yes. X-Factor. Because they're bringing back my boy Dokken. I love Dokken Akihiro so much. Okay. Yeah, and Prodigy and Northstar in there. And, uh, my gay and my bi. They're bringing back all the, like, minorities into this X-Men team, and I'm very excited, mostly for Dokken. I have high hopes. So yeah, it, it looks cool. I mean, yeah. wanna, so to go into my honorable mentions, uh-huh. I'm really excited for the new X-Worlds oh, yeah. in general. So, like, y'all know, if you're into comics, y'all know House of X powers of x y'all know that happened right so from there branched out 50 million new x titles because they basically rebooted the x-men universe um Mm -hmm. whether it's tied in continuity or not no one really knows i think it's supposed to be but it doesn't make sense for it to be so i hope it's not um so i'm excited for the x world and getting more into that just because i haven't really had time to so we'll definitely explore that here later in the year in this podcast when we're you know have the time when we've read everything and we're ready to talk about it but i'm really excited for the continuation of all the X books. Hopefully, they don't come out with too many more. I feel like they're going to saturate the market too much because it's already kind of on the border because they have, like, four things, and now they're going to have an X Factor, and I think they're going to spin off other things probably. But in general, I'm excited to see the new take that they have for X-Men. Other than that, I'm also excited for Empire, which is another Marvel event happening, Mm -hmm. so... Catch me switching teams over here from DC to Marvel because Marvel has more interesting things right now. And also, hello, Theodore Altman as the emperor of the universe <laughs> or whatever. I mean, he is a prince, so that kind of makes sense. But I'm interested for Empire because, again, it has one of my favorite Marvel characters, Teddy Altman, Theodore Altman, Hulkling, Prince. I actually don't know his alien name. I do know it. I just forgot it because it's ugly um yeah so excited to see how he is gonna be like the centerpiece of this event because he's my bait and i hope they don't do him dirty like they do a lot of people dirty um so excited for empire in that sense also the black widow movie oh yeah i didn't expect to really like the trailer because i think that it's too late for a black widow movie i feel like a black widow movie should have happened years ago you know so this feels kind of like a weird like a weird token like it doesn't feel genuine whatever but it looks cool so i'm still excited about it david harbour as the red guardian oh. like it seems like at the end of the day it's still gonna be a fun movie and your girl loves fun movies i like fun games you like, I like fun, fun movies, movies. I, oh my god i hate when movies take themselves too seriously i'm like girl no <laughs> if i wanted to be taken seriously i want to be watching a movie i want entertainment this isn't entertaining but anyway <laughs> Looks good. Hope it's good. 
Black Widow for 2020. Not for presidency, but like... <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a presidential thing. <laughs> and also, the only DC thing I'm kind of looking forward to is Dick finally getting his memories back. Um, oh, yeah. That looks to be happening this year, coming from Dan Jurgens's Nightwing Annual 2 and... Or oh. 3. No, Nightwing Annual 2. And also the most recent issue, 38, with amazing art by Travis Moore, who I love. I think he's my favorite artist when it comes to drawing Dick Grayson. Like, I think he draws him beautiful. I'm like, oh my God. Um, I think Travis Moore draws anyone beautiful, though. Let's be real. I love I love him as an artist. Um, so I'm glad that DC is going to be using him for the next couple Nightwing issues, or at least for some of the covers that are coming up. And it looks like we're going to get Dick Grayson back, and we're going to dump that whole Rick Grayson nonsense. But who knows? Who knows? But if they do, that's what I'd be looking forward to. Yeah, that's all I got. So I hope that you learned more about your new host, Barbie, and that, <laughs> that you had a fairly decent 2019, but have more things to look forward to in 2020. And you know what? Best of luck to literally all of us I on know. This, in this new year, because us little nerds and us little people of the world, we need it. We really do. <laughs> and we really deserve Star Wars to be better. Oh my god, we do. But we have the Mandalorian, so... Oh, we do? Well, that's sort of... Why I can't it? believe that wasn't on either of our lists. <laughs> we're no, shameful. No, we're gonna, we're gonna just throw in the Mandalorian in there. It's on both of our lists. Don't question it. We both loved it. It was good. It was the best Star Wars thing I have ever watched, considering I don't even like Star Wars, but I love the Mandalorian. And that's saying a lot. I was like, Star Wars who? Who cares? It's all weird. But the Mandalorian? So Baby Yoda? Good. Girl. So good. 10, 10, recommend the best thing Star Wars has given us as of recently at all. Yes, yes, yes. And you, more, no, more than anyone, know my hesitancy about The Mandalorian. Yes. And I loved it. Yes, because she does not like Boba Fett. She's like, this is just coming out because everyone loves Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. <laughs> but yeah. she ended up loving it because it's that good of a show, guys. Because. That good of a show. It, and I'm, I'm like really blown away that neither of us put it on our lists because I, I know I, I was thinking about it, but then the last episode came out in 2020. Oh, like, so it's like bordering those two. Yeah, mm, I see what you mean. And you know what? Close enough. You know what? It's on the list anyway. Thank you, John Favreau, for being an amazing human. Yeah, it's amazing. Awesome. It was amazing, and I'm really, really looking forward to season two, whenever that is. Thank John Favreau for your lives. Thank you, John Favreau, for starting the MCU and for the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian now. And basically every uh, every other thing star wars that is not the movies <laughs> fuck you jj <laughs> and with that <laughs> we'll see you next time